We're going to be launching a, a sermon series this morning. And uh, our, our sermon series is, is entitled Rhythms of Discipleship. Uh, we're going to be talking about specifically the discipleship that we hope is happening and will be happening uh, in the life of our community. Uh, this word, discipleship, um, is, is a word given to the, to the whole church. It is a word given to us, in, in, in specifically in Matthew chapter 28, in which Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the age. Uh, again, this is, a, this is a word given to all of us, that this word discipleship isn't, isn't just given uh, to an elite few or to leaders in the church, but this word discipleship is meant to be something that all followers of Christ embrace. Uh, we are going to be introducing you uh, specifically to six, what we're calling six rhythms of discipleship. And, and these rhythms of discipleship, we'll go in a bit talking about why the word rhythms, um, but these six rhythms of discipleship we've, we've landed on as we have been reading through Scripture, um, spending time with Jesus, talking together as a pastoral team, talking with, with group leaders. Um, we've hosted things called listening parties and um, seeing the observing and, and seeing the passion points of our community. And these six rhythms of discipleship, we really believe, are things that God is forming amongst us. Um, these rhythms of discipleship, we really believe, are things that uh, we see embodied in the movement of Jesus over the gospel narratives. And so these are things that we want to be pursuing as Faith Community Church. These are things that we want to see formed amongst us. Um, what you'll notice is that as, as these rhythms will come up on screen in a moment is that they're not practices. So for example, rhythm one we've called being with Jesus, and it's not called something like Bible reading, prayer, or silence and solitude. Um, what you'll observe here is that when what's fun about this is that, that these rhythms that we see embodied by Jesus, there's all kinds of ways that we can go about practicing these rhythms. That according to our seasons of life, according to our personalities, according to things that we personally jive with and connect with, there are ways that we can pursue these different rhythms. Uh, so the rhythms that I hope to introduce to you, again, they're up on the screen, are, are one, that we would be a people that, that long to be with Jesus. Simply put, we're learning to be with Jesus, to slow down and be with Jesus, to make space for Jesus, to learn to delight in his presence. And we see that the, the, a movement of Jesus over the gospel narratives is that he made an incredible emphasis on abiding. 
that he tells us that, that he and the Father are one, that he abides with the Father. And just as the way that he abides with the Father, so he desires to abide with us. So this constant movement that we see over the gospel accounts is that Jesus just longs to dwell with us, to be with us. Another movement that we see over the gospel accounts is this word transformation. Other ways that we've talked about this as a community is that we long to see below the surface change happen within us. We're not just about behavior modification or sin management, but we care about the health of our souls. And what Jesus, when he comes and he, and, he, and he talks, especially to the religious leaders of the day, he communicates to them, listen, it's not just about cleaning the outside of the cup, but it's about cleaning the inside of the cup. And so Jesus, we see this constant movement that, that we see about Jesus is that, is that there would be this new heart, these new desires that would reside within us. Another movement that we see of Jesus is, is life together. And, and the picture that, that, that maybe you can even think about in your own mind is the picture of the disciples that Jesus called to himself. Is that when he calls a group of people to follow him, it is made of, of a wild assortment of people. You have people called zealots, people that were longing to overthrow the Roman uh, occupiers of the day. And then you had people that were tax collectors, people that worked alongside Rome uh, to tax the, the Jewish people. And then when, so when Jesus calls a group of disciples, he calls these wildly different people together to be a new and united people. And so what we hope happens amongst us is that Jesus is bringing us together to be a new and united people, that we would be a people that know others and are known by others, that we would have committed spiritual relationships where we are learning things like caring for each other through difficult times, having healthy relationships and delighting in each other's presence, that we want connected, committed, and vulnerable relationships. Another movement that we see of Jesus is this relentless welcome. One commentator of the New Testament said that one of the things, or the thing, that got Jesus killed was the people that he ate with. It's how he ate dinner. And, and, and the reason that that is is because people were so offended, confused about the types of people that Jesus would sit and have a meal with, the people that he would extend friendship to, statements that he would make to his disciples like, I have to go through Samaria, which was a town in, uh, in the region of Israel that people had, had prejudice. And, and bias towards, hate towards, people that, that others didn't associate with. And what we constantly see in the movement of Jesus is this relentless welcome, this relentless warmth and, and, and friendship about him. Another movement that we see of Jesus is uh, that he's naturally supernatural. And most significantly, in, in Luke's gospel account, Jesus is regularly shown and described as 
as operating through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what, what we see happening in the pages of Scripture is that the Holy Spirit is empowering us in our everyday, moment-by-moment living. That we would be a Spirit-led people. And it would make, it would make a difference in our lives from the workplace to holding our sick child who got sick again, speaking out of personal experience, for the fifth time over the last three months, <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit is empowering us in the most regular, uh, everyday moments of life. And the missional living is that Jesus sought to not get, to just get people into heaven, but he sought to get heaven into people. And the idea is, right, that let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God has a mission. And that mission is to bring heaven to earth. And the call upon us is that we would be a people that join him in that mission. And that we would be a people that long to see justice and redemption and reconciliation happen in the streets of San Diego and in our neighborhoods. Those are the rhythms that we see by Jesus. And so let's talk for a little bit about this word discipleship. The paradigm given to us in the New Testament is of rabbis and disciples. Jesus went through a region of, of the world called Galilee, and he called for a people to, call, to follow him. And it's an incredible story. People actually did. People actually dropped everything and began to follow Jesus. And one of the imageries that we're given is of Jesus coming to a group of disciples or to a group of men who are in their boats, and he calls out to them, come and follow me. And what we're told is that they were about their father's business. They were about their father's vocation, that they were fishermen. And they leave their father in his boat and begin to follow Jesus. And that imagery is meant to be so poignant and so powerful for us. The imagery there is that, look, you have been formed in a certain way. You, the, your boats, your vocation, that space has been your community. It has been your source of provision. It, it has been your family, right? You can imagine that these disciples with their dad in those moments when they're throwing out nets and waiting for the fish to be in the nets and bringing them back in, that they're talking with their dad about how life works, right? That's, that's so often what happens in the workplace. That's so often is that, that as we chat with one another, we're talking about our worldviews, we're talking about the way that things are, and, and what Jesus is doing in this moment by calling out to them while they're in their place of vocation and living and provision and community, and he says, follow me, and they drop their nets. The imagery is, I've known my father's way. I've known... I've known my family of origin's way. And I'm dropping this way, and I'm following you. That now you, Jesus, will be my source of community. You, Jesus, 
will be my source of provision. You, Jesus, will, will be my new family. And it wasn't merely a, I'm going to come alongside you and learn new information from a teacher, but it was a, I'm going to follow every movement of your life. I'm going to learn who you are. You're, you're now father, your teacher, your rabbi. You, you, it's you that I am learning a new way from. The picture of disciples dropping their nets to follow Jesus is meant to inform our understanding of that word discipleship. We're all called to learn this new way to live. It's a way to communicate that you've learned the ways of your dad. Now come learn the ways of your heavenly father. And discipleship, again, is a word spoken to the whole church. This word is meant to be approachable for all of us. Not only does Jesus see discipleship as attainable for all of his followers, he also sees the role of discipler as a calling on all of us. And the conviction is that these six rhythms can be a starting point for someone who has barely known, begun, begun to know the name of Jesus. That these six rhythms can be something that we adopt for, again, for, for all ages and experiences and, and understandings of who Jesus is. And these rhythms of discipleship can be something that those in this room that have been following Jesus for longer than I've been alive can continue to learn and can continue to embody and can continue to embrace. The, the, the understanding is that we would take discipleship off of like this top shelf and, and we desire it for it to be approachable and understandable and be able to be grasped by everyone. And then, we, and then we actually see ourselves passing these ways along to other people. Discipleship is a task given to the whole church. It's meant to be something that we're all involved in. And so the hope is, is that these rhythms of discipleship that we pursue, that we practice, that we learn to embrace, would become so a part of who we are that we naturally pass these ways along to the people around us. Let's talk about these word, this word rhythm, these word, this word rhythm. What we hope to capture in these words is that in the gospel accounts that we see certain movements of Jesus. These are the reoccurring lessons he's teaching his disciples. These are the moment, these are the movements, the motions of our king, and that he's calling us to learn this rhythm in our own living. So these just aren't discipleship targets. Right? These aren't just discipleship places, places in which we say, I've got that one figured out. But the understanding is that these would be constant motions and movements about our lives. That these would be constant things that we see becoming our ways. It's meant to be that the ways of Jesus are forever becoming our ways. We learn the ways in a more deeper and profound way as life goes on. And the other understanding is this move is 
behind this word rhythm is that we would keep all six of these rhythms in motion in our lives. That there would be a balance to them. There would be a constant revisiting to each of them. And I, I just think about when, when I had my first car, it was a car that my older brother passed, uh, passed down to me, and he had decked this car out. In the trunk was a 15-inch subwoofer. Underneath the seats were, were amps, and on the dashboard was a 12-digit or 12-point equalizer. I had no idea <laughs> what those equal, each of those little points did. But man, when I started following Jesus, I was, it was jars of clay being blasted through the streets of Norwalk <laughs> with this incredibly powerful speaker system that was in my car. But eventually I learned that there had to be a balance to that equalizer. Eventually I learned that those, that those points needed to have a certain rhythm and cohesion to them. And what we understand is that for, for each of us, there are aspects of Jesus that we naturally connect with. There, there are aspects of who he is that we just immediately say yes and amen, and that is a rhythm that I can easily pick up and understand and embrace and live out. But one of the things that I have been learning to pray is that as a community of people, that we would come to know the multifaceted nature of who God is. And those areas and those, those characteristics and points of nature of who he is that we might naturally shy away from or not be, not be so quick to underline in our Bibles because they challenge us, that, that we also need to make sure that we pay attention to those rhythms. That what we naturally need to do is pay attention, or what we need to intentionally do is pay attention to those, those areas of understanding of who God is that we normally would not turn up. And so when we think about, if you can go put it back up on the screen, these six rhythms, what I've got to understand and, and confess that in my own life, in this place of teaching, in this place of, 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 of praying through what it is we're going to be talking about as uh, on, on Sunday mornings and in our time together and the points in which I naturally emphasize, look, left to myself, there are going to be some of these rhythms that are going to be much more frequent for me. But what I hope we have as a target here for us is this place in which we say, are there areas of who God is that I need to, with a little bit more discipline or intentionality, visit? And what I hope happens is, as we think about these rhythms, these six rhythms of discipleship, is that they would be a place for us to come back to and saying, are we, are we pursuing all of these areas? Are, are we making sure that these six rhythms in which we see embodied and taught by Jesus in the gospel accounts become something that I'm also seeing formed within me? The other thing that I would also say about these rhythms um, is, and, and I'll frame it as I, as I think about that word disciple, that the natural posture, posture is learning. And 
And what I want to say is, as we pursue these rhythms as a community, is that discipleship is something that we're all learning together. And by that, I mean what I hope to express is that we're experimenting with these rhythms, that we're, we're all learning these rhythms. And it's going to be something that we try out. It's going to be something that we practice. It's going to be something that we learn. And, and yes, these will have major focus and attention for us in the year ahead and hopefully in the years ahead. But what we may find as we live this out as a community, that we actually might come together through group dialogue and conversation with one another and trying it on and, and, and living it out, that what we may actually find is, you know what, that word transformation maybe doesn't fully capture what we want to say. Maybe we reword that and adapt it to, to really understand and embrace what God is doing amongst us. So what, what, I, what, and what I hope to say in all of that is that this isn't just a, let me stand up here and tell you what our six rhythms are going to be, but let us be in this community together where we, where we try out these six rhythms. In, in places like Bible studies and small groups and conversations with one another and having lunches and hopefully like being in a space where we sit down to watch the 49ers in the Super Bowl or something along those lines, right? Like, like as, as we're living this out, as we're in, in friendship and relationship over these, these, these rhythms of discipleship, that it would be a place in which you feel like this, these rhythms are becoming my way. I have buy-in. I, 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 and, and so maybe I would word it a little bit different, or I would, like, hey, maybe here's some practices that I would love to, to, to practice with, with other people in this community. Like, let's experiment with these things. Because, again, what Jesus is doing in, in communicating to, to the church is he's saying, y'all, y'all, like, you're, you're the disciples he's talking about when he communicates to the, to the twelve. You are the disciples and the discipler. That this is a task given to all of us, and it's meant to be something that all of us begin to pursue in our lives. So what I want to do this morning is, is go through the first uh, two rhythms. Um, then next week we'll cover the next two rhythms, and then uh, in our third week together we'll talk about those uh, the the final two rhythms. The first rhythm I want to, for us to visit is being with Jesus. Jesus continually teaches us the lesson of abiding. The Son and the Father are one, and his desire that their rhythm of abiding together would be our rhythm of abiding with him, of dwelling with him. I want to reflect on this in a story that Luke tells in his account of, of, the, of the gospel. Luke chapter 19, it says this. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the, throughout the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. 
He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Jesus is entering a town called, called Jericho, and upon entering this town, we're introduced to another character in the story, right? His name is Zacchaeus. And the way that we're introduced to him is, is with a couple of descriptors. He is called uh, not just a tax collector, but he's called a chief tax collector. And the other descriptor that were, were given about him and his, and his life is that he had become very rich. Now, some of us, when, or maybe even most of us in this room, when we hear that word tax collector, we understand that what the authors of Scripture are trying to communicate is that there is this man who is Jewish, and his vocation and his way of living has been that he has joined with Rome and he is, now has the task of collecting taxes on behalf of Rome from his own people. And, and it's not only that he's doing that, but, but his practice would have been that he would have added all kinds of fees and all of these hidden costs that needed to be charged to his own people and that he would keep that, those extra fees for himself. Have you stayed at an Airbnb recently? You, you click on these things, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, what an incredible, incredible price, $80 for an entire weekend? <laughs> and then you open it up, and then just like, how in the world is this $700 right now? And then you see, like, there's this tax, and there's this cleaning fee that's like $400. And you look at all these other little fees that get added up into there, and it's like, how does a $100 stay become $700? Have you ever tried to fill your gas tank near an airport? <laughs> Just think, how is it $2 more a gallon to fill your gas tank next to a car rental drop-off center? Right, what's communicated here in Zacchaeus, you can kind of get a, you can get a feel for what's happening here, is that he's adding all these little fees, but it's to his own people. Can you imagine entering the house of a family member? Like, oh, you're wearing shoes today? That's five extra dollars to come into my home, right? Just be like, like what? Like, that's the kind of place. He's meant to be family. He's meant to be more aligned with the Jewish people than the Roman people, but he's exploiting them. Why, why does Luke highlight that? Why is, why is that something that he's pointing out, right? Not only is he a tax collector, but he's a chief tax collector. But Luke throws us this curveball by giving us Zacchaeus' name. You know what Zacchaeus means? 
pure, innocent. An incredible description. There's a man who is a chief tax collector who had become very rich off of exploitation of his people. His name is Innocent. Why tell this story is because what Luke is doing here is he's telling us our own story. Is that we might be the notorious sinner of the town and when Jesus arrives, what he sees, what, 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 what resides in him, you, chief tax collector, I've got to be in your home. I must be in your home. What we see in Jesus is at the core of who he is, he longs to be with you, to be in your home, to dwell with you. You may have whatever reputation, you may have any, whatever descriptor in front of your name, but what Jesus sees is pure and innocent. I want to be with you. I want to dwell with you. I must be a guest in your home. And, and so why, why connect this with this discipline? Why is this discipline for us? Learning to abide with Jesus is because what Jesus wants is, look, listen, Jesus clearly wants to be in Zacchaeus's home. And we need to understand that rhythm about him, is that he longs to dwell with us. He longs to abide with us. But the response for us is right here in what we see described about Zacchaeus. If you could bring it up on the screen. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy that his rhythm would become our rhythm. Listen, yes, pursue Jesus because he'll transform your hearts. Yes, pursue Jesus because in him there is peace, there is love, there is joy. Yes, pursue Jesus because in him is provision, he is our helper in time of need. Yes, pursue Jesus because he will be your, your helper, he, he will be your firm foundation. Yeah, but, but listen, one of the things that we need to see in, in our own lives developed amongst us is just a desire to be with Jesus because he's Jesus. Not as a means to an end. But, but, but a rhythm that would, would, would be formed amongst us I just want to spend time with him. I just want to be near him. I just want him in my home. Like, I see his desire to be with me, and I desire to be with him. Like, it's that. That's, that would be formed amongst us. Go make space for Jesus in your day. Why? Because he'll heal you, or he'll provide for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that'll happen. But no, go spend time with him because he's Jesus. That that would be a rhythm about us, is that we would be a people 
that would just learn to delight in his presence. That we would be a people that just learn to enjoy being near him. That we would learn what it is to just stop in the middle of our day and say, I'm just going to sit here for a few moments and I'm going to be in Jesus' presence. And it says something about the nature and characteristic of who God is. I just want to sit with you. I'm not looking for you to accomplish. I'm not, I'm not looking for you to, to, to have these, these accomplishments and these pursuits and these goals about your life. I just want to be with you. And that would become so formative for us. Choosing time with Jesus. Learning to taste and see that he is good. And, and so there will be practices that we will revolve around and think about, like actual practical things that, that we discuss and, and pursue as followers of Jesus. Places like Sabbath, a day in our week where, where we might learn what it looks like just to say, I'm going to go learn what it is to delight in Jesus' presence. There's still work to do. There's still things to accomplish. There's a whole bunch that needs to be cleaned in my home. Like all this stuff that, that needs to happen. I, I need to go get one of those real IDs so that I can actually travel somewhere. Right? Like all of those lists of things that happen in our minds. Like when's the last time I cleaned my microwave, right? Like, like those types of spaces that we would learn what it is to spend a day where we just say, you know what? Jesus longs to be in my home. And I, I need to learn to bring him into my house with just great excitement and joy. Learning to delight in his presence. Things like just hearing his voice for the sake of hearing his voice. Not to give you a, a, a life purpose statement, not to give you where you need to, to make a decision in the workplace, not because you, you know, have this incredible difficult choice ahead of you, but just, just to hear his voice because you can hear his voice. Practices like silence and solitude. Things ahead of us, we'll be talking about like practices to shape healthy attachment with God. Just, just learning to be in his presence. And I'm not saying that then that means that we don't um, have these other practices that, that help us with relaxation and refreshment and joy. Like after service today, I am going in my home, and I'm going to have pizza, and I'm going to watch a football game, right? Like, that will still be a part of a, that will still be a rhythm in my life. But what I'm also learning is left to my own, I have these, these places that I turn to for comfort, for joy, for co as coping mechanisms, and I need to learn what it is to just find delight in Jesus and have him be a place of refreshment and relaxation enjoy. I need to learn to enjoy his presence. The next rhythm I want to talk to us about is transformation. Jesus said this. I'll read it to you from uh, Matthew chapter 11, looking at verse 29 to the end of the chapter. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, 
let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Before these words, Jesus stops in a moment of prayer and expresses to his father, thank you that you have revealed these things, the wonders, the mysteries of who you are, not to the wise, not to the clever, not to the learned, but to the childlike. And the, the father's heart and his constant effort is that, that Christ's likeness can become the way of the most humble of people. That he's, he's excited, he's filled with joy, and he expresses it in a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, you have come for the weary, for the stressed out, for the overworked, for the underappreciated. You have come for those without enough time in the day and without enough education on their resume. You have come for the anxious heart, for the insecure, for the despondent and the desperate. Jesus, you have come for those that are on the fringes of society. The understanding is the transformation, this below-the-surface change, can happen for the most stressed out, anxious, and desperate of hearts. The transformation can happen in the darkest places of our lives. And if you notice the qualities of Jesus' words here, is come to me, all of you are, are, are anxious, who are heavy laden, who are burdened. Do you see what the words that, that he's, he says? I will give you rest. My own heart is humble and it's gentle. Take my yoke upon you, for my ways are easy and light. And friends, what Jesus is hoping is that his ways these are the rhythms of his life. What he embodies is the way of rest. What he embodies and, and shows up with is the way of humility and gentleness. He's saying at the core of who I am, I am humble and gentle. And the yoke that I long to put upon your shoulders, man, what I want you to carry in this world is easy and light. Friends, listen, this is the inner work that Jesus is longing to do in your life. These are descriptors of what the state of our souls can become. This is the work that he wants to do. And Jesus is inviting people to a below-the-surface change, where this wouldn't just be something that we do, but this would be something that we are. That the, that the state of our hearts and the state of our souls would be at a place of rest. That what's happening inside of us at three in the morning is just gentle and it's easy and it's light. This is the work that he longs to do within us. Your life can be at rest. 
Think about it this way, from the fruits of the Spirit, right? In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul describes for us, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, um, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Listen, those aren't how you act words. Those are who you are words. These are the fruits of the Spirit because that is who the Holy Spirit is. Right? And Jesus talks about it at other points. A good tree will produce good fruit. And so the understanding in these words are that the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the nature of the Holy Spirit. So the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces are those same fruits. And the understanding isn't go try harder to be gentle. How's that working out for you? In the Costco parking lot. It isn't go try to be more loving. It isn't try to be more peaceful. It isn't try to be more kind. It isn't to exhibit more self-control. Listen, you don't have enough power and strength in yourself to live these fruit out. But what the Holy Spirit does is he transforms our inner nature. What if I made you love, joy, peace, patience? What if what resided in the depths of who you are were the same things that reside at the depths of who Jesus is. Listen, why is this a discipline, this transformation? It just seems like, oh, that's just a work that God does. But Jesus tra frames transfer transformation in the context of learning and effort. Not earning, but he does frame transformation in the language of, listen, let me put a yoke on you. Come and learn my ways. And for those that are unfamiliar with the phrasing, is that yoke is, is something, it's something that you would put on a beast of burden, upon an ox or a donkey or a horse. It's, 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 the, it's the, the wood that you would place across their shoulders. And what he's saying is like, yes, there's still labor, there's still work. I'm, you're learning a new way. There's real effort that's going to happen in order to learn his ways. So, listen, what he's saying is I'm going to place this yoke across your shoulders and I'm going to teach you a new way to be. The truth is you've been toiling in your own effort, from your own learned experiences, from your own family of origin, from the current of the world around you, and it's left you in the place of weariness and burden and having weight upon your shoulders. But let me teach you a new way to be. You need interior change. You need a heart that is like his heart. But the trap we fall into is behavior modification. I'm going to act more holy. And Jesus gave a warning to religious folk who merely looked to act differently. You're cleaning the outside of the cup, but I want you to learn practices, and I want you to learn a way that is going to change the interior of the cup. Pay attention and bring before him those spaces in your life that aren't 
aligned with the descriptors of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, right? We bring before him those areas of your life. Because left to our own, what we naturally do is those spaces in our lives that, that aren't formed in the way of Jesus, sometimes we just shove them down deeper. And we don't pay attention to what's happening on the interior of your lives. There have been these moments where I've walked into another room in our home to see if it's been cleaned. And on the surface level, on a first examination, the room does look like it was cleaned. But as I get a little bit closer and I look underneath the bed and as I look underneath the dresser and I look inside of the closet, what I realize is, no, this room hasn't been cleaned. Someone thought that they, rather than cleaning that, the room, they could just shove everything underneath the bed. I don't know if you've ever interacted, parents, with anyone in your home that's done that same thing. And the response is, no, you didn't clean. You just shoved things deeper down. And sometimes we do that same thing in our own lives. We try to change the exterior and, and the reality is, is what we often do is just shove some things down deeper into our hearts and try to ignore them. It's like, no, you didn't change anything. You just shoved it down deeper into the processing point of your life. What Jesus is, is longing to do is say, no, don't, don't. It isn't about the exterior change. It's about the interior. It's about what's happening in the depths of who you are. And so some of the practices, some of the practices that, that we've been pursuing and hope to keep on pursuing as, um, as a community, as followers of Jesus, is these spaces like Bible reading, prayer, journaling, these spaces in our lives where we're understanding the, the ways of Jesus, places like emotionally healthy spirituality and the courses that we've taken there, talking about like what's happening in the depths of who I am, one of the things that we eventually will be getting to, I don't know if I can even say it's gonna be in 2023, might be 2024, um, incredible group called Life Model Works. It's just talking about like the processing centers of our lives and, and, and the formation of our minds and what's happening there in the depths of our hearts. Like that, that we would embrace things like counseling and therapy um, that we would pursue things like vulnerable conversations and friendships um, so that we actually might pay attention and bring light to what's happening here in the depths of who we are. There, because of Jesus, there is real and genuine transformation happening in the depths of my being. And I'll be honest, is that the work of transformation and the work of being aware of what's happening in the processing centers of my soul, that work in and of itself has been really difficult. It's been really challenging. And what I'm learning to believe and trust is that while it hurts like hell to visit those areas that have been misformed and misshapen, 
by paying attention to them and actually visiting those spaces with Jesus, what I find is there is a new joy and freedom that is happening in my life. To actually to, to, to visit with him, those painful spaces in your life. It does take work. It does take effort. It does take honesty and vulnerability to visit those areas. But I'm learning to trust that the reason that Jesus takes me into those spaces is because he wants me to have a life that is easy and light. And it feels paradoxical at, Nate, at times. It's like, why is this so challenging and difficult? This doesn't feel easy. This doesn't feel light to walk through these points of, of brokenness within me but I'm learning to trust that you've got a reason for doing this. And, and it's, it's, it's not till later when I come out of those seasons of formation and pruning and those, those valleys that I realize that there's no other space in which fruit can be formed. And, and there's a newness. There's a restoration. There's a joy, there's a peace that is happening. It, took, it takes effort and work to get there, but man, he is so good to do that work of formation within us. Let's talk about next steps. I keep bumping into this. <laughs> um, next steps, I, I, I just want to keep the conversation going around discipleship. I want to keep the conversation going about what does it look like to be formed in the ways of Jesus. And um, specifically with these first two rhythms that we're talking about here um, is, is that you'll notice on the front page of our website, uh, when you scroll all the way to the bottom, there's just practices of being with Jesus. What does it look like to be with Jesus? And, and if you want someone to talk with when it comes to like, hey, how do I just enjoy the presence of Jesus? How do I... Uh, pursue the work of transformation in my life, I would love to be in conversation with you about it. You can email me, vince at faithsandiego.org. There's a form here that you'll highlight, and it'll just take you to a, to a page in which you say, hey, I want to connect about, and you just click a dot or click a little um, checkbox that says, I'd love to connect about this area. Um, anyone that has my cell phone in the room, text me right now and just say, hey, I'd love to connect about these rhythms. Um, I'm not going to say what my phone number is. I normally would, but we're on the interwebs, and I don't want my cell phone number just floating out on YouTube. I hope you understand that. Um, and, but one of the other areas of formation that I, I hope and we will be talking about next week, but I want to bring up here is, is the practice of doing life together. Um, you will be hearing about groups and Bible studies in the weeks ahead. Um, I, I want us to be pursuing, my hope is that we're pursuing life together, that we're pursuing finding spaces outside of our Sunday morning gatherings where we learn to, to connect with one another and have life with one another. Um, because these places of transformation, these places of being with Jesus, that is gonna best happen when we are enjoying the presence of, of, of a connected community. Um, so if you're interested in, in being a part of a a small group, a Bible study, um, 
that's also on that form. You can also text me or email me about that. Um, let's get these groups going. Just over this past week, we met with some group leaders about hosting some spaces. Um, but my hope is, is that, that every single one of us in here are connected in some way with some kind of group and forming friendships and connections together. Um, so again, discipleship is meant to be a community conversation and effort. And so um, let's keep the conversation going. Let's chat with one another. Let's connect with each other about what it looks like to be followers of Jesus and learn his rhythms in our life. If you would, I'd love for you to stand uh, with me and as I pray for us before we spend some time in the courtyard together. Father, I thank you for what you're doing amongst us and in us. And, and Lord, I, I'm just in line with what we've been preaching and teaching this morning is that we would be a people that would learn to delight in you. As Father, I pray that even in this space, right here, right now, in this moment, that, that these beloved people would feel the tangible weight of your glory falling upon them. They would know the nearness of your presence. Father, I pray that right here in this space, that maybe it's just a word that you might want to speak. It just might be something that you would want to prompt within our hearts that just lets us know, like, you desire to be with us. Father, would you form within this people, would you form within us, ignite within us a desire and appetite to be in your presence? May we be a people that enjoy you May we be a people that love you and love to be near you. Father, I pray that you would do a work of healing and restoration deep inside of us. That what would happen is, Lord, that you are forming within us new hearts and new desires. May we be a people that are transformed. Lord, thank you for the ways that you're leading us. Thank you for the ways that you are pastoring and shepherding us. And Lord, our, our heart is to continue to turn to you and say yes and amen. Lord, we trust you. We desire to pursue you in all the ways that you're leading us. And uh, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.